Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. Consider how you will treat your word, consider how you will hold your heart, and consider how you will hold others. Take a moment to imagine being asked those three questions. In episode 41, my guest, Kristen Kirst, the Director of Strategic Communications and Engagement for Seattle University, answers those questions. And in this generous discussion, which felt like connecting with an old friend, we talk about the future of universities and colleges and their increasingly important role in the era of a pandemic and seeking social justice. I hope you enjoy the discussion. And before we get started, one quick post-production edit. In minute 12 and 27, Kristen uses the word desertion when she meant discernment. I'm Kristen Kirst, and uh, professionally, I work at Seattle University as the Director of Strategic Communications and Engagement. Uh, I've been at Seattle University seven years, which even to sometimes say that out loud, it's uh, it's gone by so quickly, but um, have really been very fortunate to uh, work all over the United States in a variety of capacities, um, but find myself continuing to come back to education. It's uh, something that uh, was instilled in me uh, from a, a young age and uh, and is certainly something that as I look at, um, you know, the, the values coming from my family, um, uh, just such a sincere belief in the power of education and the opportunity that comes from it. Um, I find myself continuing to come back uh, whether directly or indirectly, to uh, play a role and be at the table of, of um, education, whether it be higher ed um, or other sect or other areas of of education. Thank you. I, I think um, as someone who has had the opportunity to benefit from the Jesuit education um, and also work at a Jesuit university, I think one of the things that you hit on when we were first kind of connecting was really the power of communication and the power of communicating an ethos and value structure. And so I'd love to just start in the in the place of kind of where we're at, right? You and you and I both share that in common, the importance of strategic communications. It's a really, really, really powerful time in the world right now to be doing strategic communication. So first and foremost, I'd love to start off with how are you doing and everything that's going on in the past couple of weeks, in the past several months? We'll start there. How, how, how are you doing? Um, thank you for asking. I, you know, it's one of those, I think, as we talk to colleagues in uh, various areas of communication having various roles, we all kind of check in on one another. And I think um, being able to be somebody uh, professionally who works from their head and their heart, one of the places you and I connected and certainly those that I'm thinking about over the past couple of of weeks and months who have reached out, um, you know, I think we, uh, this has been an interesting time, even after uh, years of professional experience um, which, which I think I, as well as others are, um, you know, trying to pull and learn from, but also 
Um, I think we are stepping back and doing, working hard to do more listening. Um, you know, and I, I think that with the past couple of months, this has been, um, something that as a, as an individual outside of my career, um, just as a, as a human and a community member weighs heavily on us. And I think always having that balance of, to, to be an effective communicator, you have to believe in what you're, in what you're uh, writing, what you're posting and sharing. And it does take a lot of thought and there's strategy behind it. Uh, but these are very uh, personal um, issues and conversations happening. Um, I, I think that you know, uh, talking, I have, uh, the team that I work with, uh, crosses generations. And so, uh, really trying to listen and learn from them about what they're picking up, um, and then reaching out to, to other colleagues. I think we're all, uh, very much in the same boat. And when you work at, uh, a university like Seattle university, um, uh, you know, rooted in the history of Jesuit education, rooted in social justice, it becomes something even more. Um, As I was saying a couple of days ago to a colleague uh, who does this work for uh, a private brand, um, he was commenting on seeing some of the the posts, seeing some of the things that we were uh, sharing in social media, in our newsroom. And I said, you know, Part of the difference maybe of how we're approaching this is <clears throat> this is our mission. And, um, and so we really have to make sure, like any brand, but especially um, we have this built into who we say. When we are recruiting you as a prospective student, as an alum, and so it's beholden. And I think we're all in that place. We are questioning, I think, we're all questioning ourselves taking a really hard look at how we're showing up in the world, what we've done to be good allies, how we're continuing, especially if we are white, um, how we've been good allies, uh, what don't we know? Um, And then when you're communicating, you know, um, again, so much of this is how are we listening to what is being said and what is being asked? I love how you talked about, you know, leading with the head and the heart. And I certainly that's something that that I was I was raised in that capacity. I think one of the great things about working in the ecosystem that you work in is you are reminded of that daily, right? In that sense of like, as you said, the value statement of Jesuit education is is rooted in social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and where there is injustice, remedying that and rectifying that and living through the values. And so I think it's one of the questions I have for you is do you see the role of universities and colleges changing even more than we anticipated maybe six months ago? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for several reasons, right? If we just talk about the pandemic and then we talk about some of the um, the injustices that have been going on for such a long time systemically, but what is the role of the university and college uh, in this conversation, in this collective, if you will? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great question. It's a big question to answer. I think, 
you know, in the past couple of years, just uh, higher ed as a whole has been asking and questioning. And part of it is we've seen the national conversation um, turn to the value of education and uh, the continued conversation about free education, uh, specifically free higher education, um, asking for, demanding, um, <clears throat> citing examples that of, of different educational models and approaches across the world. And then uh, when the pandemic hit and universities at varying stages, and I, um, you know, I, I think uh, as Washingtonians and in Seattle, we are very proud. Seattle U was one of the very first to, um, you know, uh, look at the safety and welfare of our students, faculty, staff, and community and, and really heeding advice. I say often, we're using science and data to make decisions. And, um, and so with that, with being one of the first, um, it then became, so how do we still um, care for and live up to the mission and the value proposition that we, that we promised our students and their parents or caregivers? And, um, you know, and there was a lot of uh, that, you know, oftentimes it's building the plane while flying it. We were certainly not the only university. Every university was, was uh, doing the same thing. Um, you know, and I think uh, what I have seen that's beautiful has been universities coming together and sharing what has worked, what hasn't worked. I give such tremendous credit to uh, our faculty. Um, I give tremendous credit to our, uh, especially my student development colleagues who, you know, their whole job, whether you're a, a residence hall director, uh, whether you are one of the, the many program directors or managers, um, you know, just there's such a, student development as a whole is such a big, uh, phenomenal group of, of colleagues, whether it's at Seattle U or other places that I've worked, they continued to care, even if they were scared themselves and looking at their family they really had a commitment to and continue to to have a commitment to our students. And even if that student or those students were not living down the hallway anymore, and maybe the only way they could care for them was a Zoom call or a cell phone call or, you know, a tweet, they they were doing that. And our faculty, you know, rose to the occasion and did what I what I, I think certainly from a Jesuit university, but I, I think higher ed as a whole, um, there is such a commitment and a belief in the importance, not just from the academic side, but I'll use uh, very Jesuit, the care of the whole person, that this is not just about the uh, what you're going to learn in a book. It is also about pulling together what what is shaping your world from a community perspective and putting those together and helping shape how you then walk in the world. One of, uh, going back to your original question, I think, you know, I, I think we have a long road ahead of us uh, in higher education. I, um, sadly, I would say that I think there are still more universities that, uh, that are probably going to have to shutter their doors, uh, much in the same way we've seen businesses, um, some longstanding generational businesses have to shutter their doors. Um, I do think that's still on the horizon and there are 
as we all know, there's still a lot of unknown. But I do think um, as we look at the past several months with the pandemic and the past almost month, and as we continue to say, decades of, of racial injustice. So this is not just a movement that started three weeks ago. Um, I think the role of the university is to continue to teach um, desertion. Uh, um, you know, it is to continue to be able to not tell you how to think, but teach you how to think. It is the role of the university to bring um, uh, viewpoints from different perspectives so that we are able to then take that information and uh, be able to make a decision from there. I do think that that's one of the things that pre-pandemic um, was also being called into question. We know that there were a lot of speakers, there were a lot of comedians, um, there were a lot of individuals that uh, and faculty and others across the country that said something's happened in higher education where there seems to be a desire only for this viewpoint and anything that is outside of that viewpoint is no longer welcome. I am a firm believer that a university, whether you're talking about from an academic perspective or a community perspective, is to be able to provide the full lens. And from there, then you decide. Um, so I, my hope is that this, what we are living in this right now allows us to, I think the pandemic allowed us to stop, take a breath, uh, maybe, you know, push the reset button on who we were as people and being as colleagues. And then the black lives movement, uh, the murders that have happened, the questions that are being asked, I hope what it allows us to do from an education perspective, from a community perspective, um, uh, country perspective, world perspective, is that we you know, continue to remember that we do belong to one another, that we have an accountability to one another, um, and that we, we have a lot of learning still to do. And that is a place that universities uh, will continue to serve. And learning, not just book learning, learning from being introduced to different people and cultures and traditions and faiths and all of that. Yeah, there's two things I really like that you talked about. One was the, the, um, the communicating from a place of care. And I think the other the other word that kind of comes to mind a little bit is compassion. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm I'm such a I'm such a nerd for the origins of words. Mm -hmm. um, and and that understanding of you know compassion and its origin and its word origin, you know, um, literally means kind of like carrying somebody else's um, you know sort of weight or anguish. And and I think the other point that I think is going to be really interesting is as you described is you know, can, can universities be that place where we get back to what is the true spirit of learning? And, and I, I like how you said it was sort of a reset, right? I mean, the COVID-19 has really um, challenged us all to think about the systems we use, the way we connect, the intentions we put out there, but also how we bring 
viewpoints together. Um, and I think one of the things I shared with, uh, you know, somebody who works in the student development um, arena at my alma mater, I shared with him the other day, I said, you know, it's very clear to me that the thinking that got us to where we are in a public health crisis today is not the same thinking we can use to get us to a place of sustainment, healthy living, critical thinking going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, that's not finger pointing, mm-hmm. right? That's just, we just, we need to be much more um, compassionate. Um, discernment, that's the other word mm-hmm. that you brought up that mm-hmm. I thought was really a word I don't hear a lot these days. And if I think about the the places where discernment can happen, where it's almost expected to happen, that I go back to that model of the university and and even you know the 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 Greek the history you know Greek history like I love the word stoicism mm-hmm. and stoic and I remember learning the word stoicism and so it comes from this Greek stoa which is essentially a, you know if we if we remember the the sort of colonnades that that exist on a university when you go to that right. that right. archetypal view of the columns and the colonnades I mean that's a stoa that's built on a place where somebody would go and. Mm-hmm. maybe maybe lecture, but essentially share knowledge and other people would gather and ask questions and it would be that discernment. It was just a place of discernment as I understand it. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, how does that happen in a, and I'm not going to use the word virtual because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying not to use the word virtual because when people hear the word virtual, they think it's a, it's a replacement or it's, a, mm-hmm. it's not really taking place, you know, like virtual reality, it's not really taking place. So I will use the word remote, maybe. Mm-hmm. Remote uh, learning. How does, it, mm-hmm. how does it happen in a remote way? How do we do the, the experience of the STOA mm-hmm. with everything that we're facing in a remote learning way? Mm. You know, I, I, I think we'll continue, Bill, to get better and better. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think of the work that, again, our faculty are doing. Our faculty, faculty, you know, across the country um, are successfully teaching labs, um, and they are successfully, um, you know, uh, continuing their work in whatever it is, you know, the, the various disciplines, they found a way to continue. Um, you know, I think, uh, I credit that to, uh, so I went to an undergrad that was a very, very large undergrad, went to us a much smaller private um, university uh, for graduate school. So University of Arizona for undergrad, Texas Christian University for grad school. And so I've gotten to see both. And it's been interesting to think back uh, to being both an undergrad and grad student and then looking at what that would look like for me today and, and witnessing just phenomenal uh, work from our faculty and, and advisors and our career engagement team. I mean, there are just so many people. I think that is that is what's happening. It isn't just the faculty member that leads the class. There really is the universities that are doing well. They are recognizing that, uh, that there is a res- there's a shared responsibility of how we educate. So it can't just fall on the computer science uh, faculty member, there also has to be an understanding of what that looks like, um, you know, from our career engagement team um, that looks, uh, what that looks like from our, you know, our our health, um, student health team and how we're caring for those individuals. 
So I think, you know, looking at how are we continuing to have that critical thinking? Um, I, I do think that we're experiencing it. You and I happen to experience it from a, you know, professional perspective of, you know, what, what, what does this look like as we are remote working and our students are remote learning? Um, I think, um, if anything, we're probably those that are really invested in it, like you and I and, uh, and so many faculty and, and staff across the country at universities. Um, we are learning how to ask better questions. I think Zoom, I'm mostly on Zoom. And I know so many of our classes, that's really our the, one of the platforms. That and Teams are the two preferred platforms, uh, but mostly Zoom. Um, you know, various connectivity at different times, uh, trying to have large Zoom um, calls with many people teaches us to stop, watch. I am totally looking at you. I am focused. I don't know that in the past, um, if I was around a conference table, if I wasn't the type of person I am of really um, evaluating who's around the room, um, I don't know if I, I am, I am positive. I've been guilty of not being as focused and present. I do think this, uh, helps us be more present and focused. Um, and so I do think that our faculty are able to, um, still ask difficult questions. Um, maybe if anything, because, uh, in this remote learning world, our students are in places that many of them, we, we do have students that, are from a, a variety of backgrounds. And I always want to think and remember across the country, we have students who uh, have various situations and they may not have a safe space to go to. So the role of the university is ever more critical for those individuals as well. Um, but those that are, uh, you know, they're, they're safe, they have food, they have shelter, they are in a place where they can uh, have a conversation. Maybe it's, may, I don't know, it'd be an interesting thing for us to look at. Is it easier or more difficult to have those transparent conversations as well as a faculty member throwing a big question out so that you can discern, right? And think about what they said, take some time and then come back to it. Um, I don't know. It's a, I, I love the question and I'm interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think it's also interesting, you know, as a lifelong learner, which I know you are as well. I mean, that's why we stay, we stay in the spaces we stay. I think it is a fascinating question because I know if I apply that question even to myself, am I, you know, am I discerning more because I'm in my home environment, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's partly yes and partly no, because I think to myself, I'm more comfortable in my home environment. Um, but at the same time, am I acting differently because I'm in my home environment, mm -hmm. right? We we all have some of these, um, for lack of a better term, digital skins, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we show up in the world a little bit differently. And I know that some of my greatest strengths are when I when I can walk into a room and using all five of my senses, I can pick up on those things, right? We, mm -hmm. talk, we talk about what are our greatest strengths and, you know, mine is empathy. So when I walk into a room, I can sort of sense what people are going through. I don't have that ability in this two cents limitation. And it causes me to have to kind of reimagine how I enter this world, how I move through this world. And it makes me 
it makes me excited and a, and a little bit frustrated at the same time because to your point i ask questions differently because i can't read the body language of the mm-hmm. people that i'm interacting with um, I ask questions differently because I want them to be much more open-ended because it's hard to look somebody, you know, before, as you said, in a conference room, I could sort of look over and without really even saying anything, I could probably say, Hey, Kristen, <laughs> jump in here. Right. Mm-hmm. You and I would know our expressions right. or our body language. That's not there. And, um, and so you have to be a little bit more imaginative about it. And, you know, one of the things I love in sort of reading up to, uh, you know, our conversation today, I was able to read the strategic directions that you all set 2020 to 2025. And one of the words that just jumps off the page in that strategic plan to me, um, and I had the opportunity to work with the provost a little bit. He's actually a, a friend of the family through our big, no surprise, right? Our yeah. big Irish Catholic family, <laughs> two degrees of separation, Always. you know, Shane. Um, but the word reimagine just jumps off the page to me. And I think, you know, as you describe the, the reset that a lot of universities are doing uh, and colleges are doing, and frankly, corporations are doing, we're all doing it, small businesses and everything. One of the words that I have really gotten excited about in working with young talent and clients and customers is let's reimagine, like, let's try something different and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that the sense I'm imagining from students that's pretty exciting from a staff and faculty and even a administration stance at um, Seattle U. Is that coming to life? You know, uh, again, I, I mean, I am, I, I credit the, there's so many individuals that we're working and continue to work on the strategic uh, priorities and directions. It is, and it isn't. And what I, what I mean by that is, um, you know, in conversations continuing to come back, and I think in any uh, in any company, uh, it is okay. Uh, let's step back and look again. What is our mission? Who do we serve? What is our vision? And so it's it's that I think um, this time is asking us to pause and come back to that. And so in looking at that reimagine, um, you know, every individual has and, and organization, university, company has those team members that that excites them. And there are those that it scares them to death. And I think uh, academia as a whole has a reputation for moving glacially slow. And, uh, and you're often wrought with those that seek comfort, right, in in a lot of desertion, a lot of talking things through. And then you have another group that says, we've been talking about that for three years. Where's the move? And I've seen that, um, honestly, in the past three weeks. We have, um, you know, various groups uh, kind of pushing and pulling different level levers. Um, and so one of the great equalizers of the place that you bring everybody back to is, okay, you're pushing and you're pulling. Let's go back to what our mission is, who we say we are. So then how do we move forward? So I find it's a, it's a few, let's take a few steps forward, a few steps back, and then we kind of get back on the track. Um, I, I also think that every university across the country 
you know, looking at recruitment and retention, there are so many unknowns. And our, again, our admissions team um, and our retention team, which is really supported by the university. And this is, this is something that we and others uh, at, at various universities say, right? We are all ambassadors. We should all approach our work as ambassadors at the university. And we are also all a part of the admissions team. So their success is our success, their failure if we're going to put it in those terms, we have a responsibility too. So I think that with the admissions comes the bottom line and every university is really looking at their bottom line with a lot of unknowns, um, tuition and residential life. If you're a university that uh, is, is a campus uh, where that's a big focus, those are two of our When you look at any university budget or the majority of them, those are two of the big places. And those happen to be the two places in the gray. So some of this, how do we uh, reimagine, it is looking at every single aspect of the university. And again, what is our value proposition? Um, So you have to have the resources to be able to move forward and and uh, while I think in a lot of sessions that we'll, that we have done over the years and will continue to do about reimagining what does that mean in regard to strategic priorities, some of those are rooted in resources. You know, there are times where that resource question it, it infringes a little bit on creativity, right? It's the reality that you're struggling with. And so how do you work through that Um so I imagine, uh, you know, those, those conversations are continuing along with all of the other major conversations, decisions um, that are going on at, at our university and others. Yeah, it, it kind of brings me to a, to a place where I'd, I'd love to um, get your thoughts, which is a question I like to ask people often. You know, as you talked about the balance between resources and creativity, and all of the other expectations of leaders at the university, how do you stay healthy and change? And I know this question is very different today than it would have been three weeks ago, than it would have been six months ago. But when you think about that journey for yourself, mm-hmm. and when, when you share that knowledge with your peers, mm-hmm. how do you stay healthy and change? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to, um, you know, one of the things, especially in the past week, and uh, there have been many, many times uh, since we both joined Seattle U that I think she has inspired me. But Natasha Martin, who is our vice president for diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, we had a a vigil uh, about a week ago at the university and she was one of the speakers. And she shared something at the vigil um, that I have been thinking about and think, and it it is immediately, Bill, when you ask the question, what, I thought of, uh, and um, this she she borrowed and cited this. Uh, there's a there's a scholar named Amani Perry uh, who works at um, Princeton University, and so last week in the vigil, uh, Natasha asked these three questions, which were originally generated by uh, Amani Perry, and they were: consider how you will treat your word. Consider how you will hold your heart and consider how you will hold others. So 
that those three questions since she shared them have, you know, really taken shape for me personally and professionally. Um, they've taken shape in how I, I've looked at my work and our team and just this greater conversation. And so I think from a healthy perspective, there, there are more difficult decisions ahead and there are going to be decisions that are going to be made in all aspects of our life that may not be the popular one, but are, are essentially the right one. Um, and I, I think about some of the individuals you and I have talked about that we mutually know, and I hear some of their words um, echo because they, they served as mentors uh, when I was a, a younger professional. And uh, now that I, you know, when you and I have spoken and, and uh, there are a few that, that we share in common, and I can imagine you would say the same thing, that this ongoing lesson was always about how are we how are we going to live with integrity in any of those decisions? And I think those three questions for me allow me to be in a place in whatever the conversation is, you know, whether it is uh, a personal conversation about a variety of things happening, whether it's a professional conversation about uh, a variety of things happening, those have allowed me to really stay healthy and enter a conversation thoughtfully um, are allowing me to step back and be the person in professional that that I continue to strive to be, which is a person of character and integrity, and also allow me to to reflect that as a, a leader and a colleague, or as a friend, or as a daughter, or as a family member. And so, um, I really am so grateful that Natasha shared that in that moment. Um, I imagine I'm not the only one that those words continue to resonate, perhaps in different ways. But um, I do think that 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 is uh, something that I will continue to carry um, as we go through what we can anticipate. There are going to be more challenging things and those difficult decisions that that affect people that we respect and love, organizations um, that we love and respect. Uh, but there are more changes coming. And, um, and so being a part of that in that way, right, of being committed to, committed to showing up, committed to continuing to learn, committed to walking in this world and entering by being present and, and wanting to know what you or somebody else is, is thinking and uh, what needs to be heard. And it's so beautiful what you shared. And I so appreciate that because what you've just surmised is, is no kidding the emotional experience I go through every time I step on the campus of Seattle University, mm-hmm. living here in the community. I ask myself, what are the words I carry? What, are the, what is the power those words can bring into this world? What, how do I carry my heart? And how do I want to move through the world? And how do I want to use the platforms and access and you know, privilege that I have, the education that I have, the, the, the constant um, wondering that I have that's built into this. But it's very similar how the feeling I get when I step on any college campus mm-hmm. or university. Part of the reason, you know, my husband and I are so, we gravitate towards communities of learning near, and we've always lived near universities and colleges because 
you know it, right? You, you, you work and live in this ecosystem. There is this palpable energy mm-hmm. around that. And it's surmised so beautifully with what you shared. And it, and it makes me really um, hopeful, you know, that, that there is this collective discernment and people are starting to ask, what are the words I carry? How is, how am I carrying my heart? And, and how am I caring for others at mm-hmm. the same time? Um, it gives me a lot of hope. I mean, I know there's a lot of, as you said, when we were first connecting, there's a lot more attention that's paid to some of the less than hopeful stories mm-hmm. because it was gained traction. But this is also where I think, you know, institutions like a Seattle University or a Loyola Chicago or, a, you know, an LMU, like this is where there's a lot of power in um, writing, mm-hmm. writing the narrative mm-hmm. um, and choosing Sometimes the hard decisions, as you say, yes, is it, a, is it a resource constraint? Yes. Is it more in the realm of creativity and reimagining for the greater purpose that maybe we can't see yet, but we can always work towards? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and that gives me a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. That just, that gives me the hope I needed today, frankly. Well, um, you're, you're most welcome. And uh, really, I, again, just thank Natasha for bringing that because it's, uh, it's, it just has shaped shaped so many things. I think, you know, it is, it's easy to, uh, <laughs> uh, from a communication uh, world, and uh, I know you know this well, gosh, there are a lot of hateful messages out there. And, um, and you know, you really do try to do the right thing and um, continue to learn and grow from those. Um, this is just, <laughs> they're just, there, there is so much happening. And I think as we go back and think about discernment, as we think about critical thinking, as we think about how we are walking in the world, what our commitment is to one another, um, what our, what we value and, and hold true and, and this sincere belief that, that, uh, people are good. And, um, I hope that, you know, in an earlier question you asked, a little bit about, um, you know, colleges and, and universities and some of the things that um, we've seen over the past couple of, a couple of years. You know, one of the things that I think has been surprising to me um, has been more questions from prospective uh, parents, families, and students um, connected to, will I have a job after, you know, my degree? And I understand the question, uh, but I also, I think, um, what I hope, I, universities aren't, shouldn't be, and this is just my opinion, shouldn't be job factories, right? They are so much more than that when and if we are doing that right. It is, they are about all of the things that you and I have been talking about. If you are just wanting to get a degree to get a job in, in my humble opinion, you're missing where the true experience and education comes in. And I think the reason, uh, you know, that, that you and your husband and I, and so many others love universities, love colleges. It is about possibility. It is about when again, done right. It is about bringing uh, students together and a community with with very different backgrounds, and it may be one of the few times 
unless you continue to be uh, intentional about this throughout your life, it is one of the times that you are surrounded by so many people that think differently, that believe differently, that love differently, that, you know, walk in the world differently. And you have this amazing opportunity to check maybe some things that you had grown up with and learned or thought were true. And now you get to meet somebody and realize, gosh, everything that I knew is so different now. I'm, I'm, living, uh, I'm living with in a residence hall or down the hall or I'm in a club or I'm in a class. And I think it is what truly makes a university special. Once you get out of that opportunity, you have to be very intentional. We tend to, as human beings, just go to our people whoever those people are, um, you have to be intentional about continuing that effort of um, wanting to learn and meet. And so it is, uh, I think it's why we probably just looking at what we've chosen to do and the things that we've shared with one another, it is why we love colleges and universities, right? When done well, they represent the way that we really want the world to be us being able to talk things through, even if it's different than what we believe, about being surrounded by people that look and sound and believe and practice differently than we do. I don't know. It's kind of an ideal, ideal thing. And maybe the universities that are, um, you know, not able to survive for whatever reasons, maybe that allows us to um, take a step back as a as a country and as a world and recommit ourselves to the importance of education from beginning to end. Yeah, it makes me think about, um, you know, as we as we get ready to close here, I just think about this aspect of may my heart expand, may my mind expand. Mm-hmm. And, and that pursuit, right? That's a life pursuit. Um, and I and I love the fact that you bring up that challenge that we often face, which is, there are some places, there are some ecosystems, if you will, that allow us to naturally lean into may my heart expand may 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 my mind expand but you're right we're also creatures of habit and the mind is a pattern seeking device so we go to what we know um and i do i do hope out of this we come to that ability to say may we always be on an expansive you know inquiry i mean that's that's the jesuit ethos Mm -hmm. right go forth and set the world on fire like it is shine light where there's not light Mm -hmm. and i hope we see more of that i think we have a real opportunity for that especially in this generation of learners in this generation of critical thinkers i mean the the conversations i had with students on campus last week and the week before, just on the periphery of campus, as demonstrations were happening, these were students who had set up tables and had snacks and juices and pizza. And, you know, the the outpouring of the generosity. And we walked by and we said, thank you. And they looked at us like, thank you for what? Like, this is, this mm-hmm. is just like, this is the way we move through the world. Mm-hmm. And it gave me such hope. And so I, I think it'll be interesting to see those demonstrations, those testimonials work their way up through the noise, as you've described, mm-hmm. there's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. We need to be committed as leaders, as strategic communications people, as people of, of compassion and inquiry to, to say these stories, these testimonies are really what we need to stitch into the fabric of, of who we are. Because I totally agree. Like, 
there's good in all of us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's just a lot that gets in the way and clouds our vision Mm -hmm. on that. So I appreciate it. And I will say, I cannot wait to get back into St. Ignatius Chapel because it's a place (laughs) that I do so much meditative thinking Mm -hmm. and we've missed it. We've missed that place. The power of place is really, um, is really important. So I know we, you and I were chatting, um, you know, prior to this and you had mentioned that. And I, I said, I, Totally. No. I mean, it was the place, you know, you, uh, sometimes when things are taken away, it, it, you are reminded of what a role and how much value you have. And, you know, I don't think that there was ever a time that I was walking across campus, that even if it was just to open the door, walk in for a second, that I didn't take that opportunity because it is, there is, there is, uh, whatever faith you practice. It, there is something pretty special about um, St. Ignatius Chapel. And then, you know, especially as you think about St. Ignatius Chapel in the middle of a city uh, and then in the middle of a neighborhood that uh, is asking big questions. And um, so it's a it's a pretty powerful place. And I, I think uh, you, your husband and I are one of many who can't wait to be back there. And um you know, I think uh, our our other lesson, I think, through this is, um, and certainly this is an important thing at a university, is uh, the the importance of history um, and how many times we continue to repeat the same mistakes and not learn from history. And I think, um, you know, when we think about uh, the opportunities for generations to come. There is something that our professors, our staff, our community members, our alumni of various ages have, they have a perspective um, and our students have a perspective as well. And if we could bring those two together, um, you know, I I said to our team a few days ago, uh, I was sharing a conversation I had had with one of my uh, young nephews and Um, he asked me a question that just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I didn't say to him, but I kept on thinking after the conversation, where did I stop believing that what he had asked was possible? And because for him, it's all possible. And I found myself, and I think this is what happens, I found myself, um, the things that front-loaded were all of the reasons why it couldn't or what we had seen. And so again, I, you know, going back to universities, I think uh, I find myself incredibly fortunate um, to be surrounded by, you know, that, that adage of surround yourself with people smarter than you. Um, But I would also, you know, make sure that they are kind and good and want, uh, you know, to walk in this world in the way that makes it better. So, and I certainly am surrounded by so many people like that. Yeah. May we never stop believing in what is possible. Uh, So thank you so much, Kristen. This was a very generative discussion as I knew it would be. Um, It just so happens that we have the same last name. I know. There might be more (laughs) coming there, but um, I really appreciate you joining and sharing um, perspective. Uh, and just kind of where we're at right now. It's just such an interesting time. So thank you so much. I look forward to when we can connect in person, I, break some bread and I do <laughs> take too. a walk. I do too. I can't, um, I can't tell you, Bill, how many, uh, I, I just had a friend, um, 
yesterday who saw right a um, an exchange we had uh, um, and and I think it was I'm seeing Bill post these things that you would post and then you're posting things and you're both like liking and I'm and I said to her so she wanted to know the background and I explained it and I just said there are times Bill posts something before I do on LinkedIn shares it and I'm like oh I was gonna post it okay Bill's got it, it. <laughs> yeah so. Um, I love it. And I, I truly cannot wait until, uh, you know, we can walk around uh, the university or Capitol Hill or Green Lake or any of our other beautiful spaces and continue the conversation. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and connecting. Yeah, thank you so much. So as you heard, Kristen and I not only share the same last name, but a lot of the same interests and passions. And among those are the importance of firsts first moves, first decisions, to do what's right. And in that same spirit, as the entire field of higher education grappled with the abrupt changes and unprecedented challenges brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic and the shift to remote instruction, Seattle University was one of the first institutions in the nation to transition to remote instruction. This took place on March 9th, prior to the end of winter quarter, and it began putting in place the necessary infrastructure and support services to continue in a virtual environment for the remainder of the academic year. Seattle University has a lot to be proud of.